0: Changing healthcare starts with a dream better care, smarter care, and healthier people. Listen weekly as Dr. Gregory Goodman interviews today's most innovative MDs as they transform healthcare and share their journey from white coat to business suit, highlighting lessons learned and golden prescriptions for your success. Join us today and get your doctor recommended dose of MD innovation.
1: So this is Dr. Greg Goodman with The Modern MD. I'm very excited today. We've got Dr. Benjamin Burke, who's passionate about improving healthcare systems and population health and making an impact on patients. Dr. Burke provides strategic and operational consulting to innovative payers, providers, health services, organizations, and investors. Benjamin is a senior advisor and content consultant for advanced practice strategies and faculty member for the Dartmouth Institute for Health Policy and Clinical Practice. Previously, Dr. Burke was the Vice President of Population Health for Iora Health and Principal at Boston Consulting Group. Benjamin, welcome to The Modern MD. Thanks, Greg, you for having me. I'm so excited to have you, really, really honored. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about you personally and your journey as a physician innovator. I
0: started my career actually as a software engineer building clinical information systems, developing clinical decision support. And I I found early on, staring at the computer screen day after day, that that the docs had no idea what the engineers were talking about. Um, And the engineers didn't understand the physicians and their needs. And a lot of the software we are developing ended up not being used, or at least not being used to its fullest potential. And so not wanting to spend my career sitting in front of a computer screen, I actually made the decision at that point to go to med school. i had never taken a science class, I did the whole pre-med thing at night and uh, shifted gears and and found myself out at Stanford Med School. My career has taken a number of of turns, so I very much thought I was going to practice. But I also went to Stanford partly because of how interdisciplinary it is. Took a number of courses in business and engineering and ended up completing a master's in management science and engineering and really found by my fourth year that I was just much more interested in the big picture. At medicine than, than day-to-day practice um, so decided at that point rather than do my, my clinical residency to do my, my business residency of sorts and kind of make the transition to the, the business and technology
1: side of healthcare what an awesome journey and, and I think it, it's so great to your point to have somebody with you know that kind of diverse skill set where you have the software experience you understand kind of the system level issues and also the clinical experience So that's really awesome we love to start the show off with a success quote. Could you share a quote that's important to you?
0: So one of the things that I've, I've been thinking a lot about is how population health is actually executed within practice. Right? We give a lot of thought to how it's done at the systems level. So the, a quote for me that, that I often repeat with teams I work with is that population health is created one patient at a time. Right? It, if, if you're not thinking about... An individual patient that you're having impact on, whether it's in terms of establishing care goals, helping them navigate the system, or reaching out to them uh, at a point of need, then you're you're just talking conceptually. You're talking in big numbers, and I find that it's important to think that way also because of motivation. When you're a care team working on the on the front lines of healthcare, interacting with patients day to day, that's where the the magic happens and the real work happens. And so, to make population health tangible, we really need to think about the way it is impacting one patient at a, at a time.
1: I love that. Healthcare really is about the patient and, and keeping the patient really at the center. So, that's really awesome. So, I'd like to shift to what I'm terming our white coat to business suit. And I know you jumped right off, you know, after clinical medicine, you know, or, or medical school into the business world. And I just wanted to understand... You know, your mindset, your thoughts, you you know, maybe why you took a particular opportunity right out of the gate. Sure.
0: One piece of advice I would give people is is, uh, do as I say and as I do, because I spent probably 10 months towards the end of my medical training agonizing over whether to do residency, clinical residency, or if not, whether to go back to industry or to go into consulting and uh, tortured my family, and my friends, and everyone around me and, and in in the end probably made the same decision I would have made the first day. And so, you know, for for me, that, that thought process was partly around what am I most interested in, where what drives me, partly around thinking forward in my career and what you know, what what do I want to do and what kind of impact do I wanna have. But on that end, you know, you, you find you can't know the future. Right. And so you need to kind of make decisions based on the information you have today and the likelihood of certain things kind of happening down the line, but then you make your best guess and you, you jump in. And so for, for me, um, I knew that I wanted to have impact at a larger level in healthcare. I wanted to be part of a team that would really be um, complementary to, to my background, but also really teach me a lot of the skills and then set me up for the next set of opportunities I made the decision at the time to, to go into consulting, but largely because it really is kind of like a business residency, right? There's a the concept of apprenticeship, right, from partners and principals to, to consultants. There's a rotation kind of model, right, where you, you go from industry to industry or pro- type of project to type of project. And there's a lot learn, do, teach. And that kind of process is really common with clinical residency as it is in consulting. And I thought I'd be at BCG for a year or two, like most good consultants. Um, and ended up staying for five because I found as I progressed, such a fantastic organization, and I couldn't recommend BCG highly enough, folks thinking about that, that world, but but also I found that I enjoyed the role more as I progressed because you go from thinking on very narrow, very analytical topics to thinking more broadly and really having impact across uh, the scope of an organization, and the scope of a
1: practice. That's awesome. To your point, you know, doing that business residency, would, you know, maybe a really great way to transition, and you know, something that you know some of the listeners that are in medical school might want to think about. I'd like to shift to the idea to venture, and I know you've been a part of a few pretty exciting and and trans, you know, companies that have really made some big impacts. And I wanted to see if you'd be willing to share, maybe your experience at Iora Health and. You know how that. I, I know you were there pretty early, and how that came from you know idea of building primary care practice to, to really you know scaling it up, and, and some of the lessons maybe you learned, and you know some of uh, your roles that that you played. You know, you mentioned at the top. You know, I really am passionate about delivering outcomes for patients. So when I had decided to leave
0: BCG, I was really looking for a place where. There's the intersection of the, the big picture kind of concepts of healthcare transformation with where the rubber really meets the road, which to me is primary care. So I was looking for an opportunity to transform healthcare by transforming primary care and came across IOR Health. You know, I was actually introduced to Rashika Fernandez-Poulet, the, the CEO and, and founder by Nathan Gunn, who um, I've known for years since he was at D2 Hawkeye. Uh, he's also at NMB and, and now on the business and technology side. Rashika and Nathan were both featured in Atul Gawande's Hot Flatters article. So he was the, the other guy in the article with uh, Jeff Brenner from Camden. Heard what I was interested in and said, oh, "You gotta, you gotta meet Rashika. And it just goes to show you how important you know, relationships are to finding um, the right opportunities and finding those matches. And really, as soon as I connected with IOR Health, it was kind of love at first sight. And I, I had the, the real privilege to be able to support multiple teams there. And to translate between the business, the clinical, and the informatics uh, side of things. And my favorite experiences were were things like leading referral rounds with our clinicians in Seattle and Phoenix. We launched a number of Medicare Advantage practices there. That was almost as close to to patient care and clinical care as I could get without a medical license. I love participating in building up population health dashboards and really thinking through what are the types of measures. That are going to have actual impact at the point of care that are going to lead to action on how we present them in a way that they're they're accessible. And I had a lot of fun building our national relationship with Humana. You know, I think when it comes down to it, true innovation and kind of transformative contracts really come down to relationships between people. Um, And I love getting to know uh, the team at Humana and figuring out how our two companies were going to work uh, closely together through
1: a lot of foreign issues. That's really exciting. And, and to your point, I mean I think relationships are key and, and having the right people you know, around the table to, to really execute is, is really important. One of the things I'm, I'm wondering if you touch on, and you know I think it's a big thing when, when people are going into entrepreneurship is this fear of failure. Would you be willing to share a story or maybe you know a lesson learned kind of during your journey at Iora Health about maybe something that you guys thought? you know, you could do or, or something where you pivoted um, and had to kind of change direction?
0: Sure. And so, and, and for context, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think failure, fear of failure and, and risk can really have a different motivation depending on what the level of risk is. I've been doing some work over in the UK and have been some conversations with the NHS. And it's interesting comparing how risk and fear of failure plays out in the US versus the UK. You know, in the US, it's a motivator, right? Because competition and potential to fail in the healthcare industry because of the changing dynamics can, can motivate people to actually innovate. But at the same time, if there's too much risk, too much fear of failure, it least to paralysis, right? Just maintain the status quo, which is what you see in a lot of the fee for service systems. Whereas in the UK, we have the opposite, right? They've got a fair amount of complacency because there's perhaps not enough fear of failure, right? They're, they're operating within, within a budget and you know, they're not necessarily going to go out of business if they don't succeed. And so, at Iora, we we certainly had, uh, I think, a good balance of the fear of failure because we had such incredible support from a fantastic team of investors and, uh, and board that were recognizing that it was a long-term commitment and play to be able to be successful and that we we're going to go through a number of iterations, while at the same time, we had this motivation that you know the company did not need to exist, <laughs> and if we ran out of money, or if we had some you know clinical failures, or if we let uh, our sponsors or our patients down, uh, then we weren't going to to survive, uh, that was a real motivator. So we found that that balance, and you know every day there were there were lessons learned. I think some some major lessons around um, vendor selection and build versus buy decisions. You know we we went through uh, a number of of iterations in in figuring out what technology to use and when to be really investing in kind of the ultimate solutions versus prototyping and doing things ad hoc and finding that right balance to be supporting rapid innovation and innovation while also being able to build things that are gonna support our teams really effectively and are really well thought through. Um, and there were definitely times where we made the decision, you know, in hindsight, we made the decision wrong, perhaps based on the best information of the time, but You know, we, for example, in one case, made a decision to go with a vendor, went down the path of implementation for for a couple of months, and ultimately found that it wasn't going to deliver for us. And we probably could have done it more inexpensively and with better outcomes if we had decided to do it in house. And that was something we learned from. So the next time around, we made a, a different decision. And I think, you know, the concept of failure. As this you know with a kick capital F, and suddenly, you know this is the thing that's going to be life altering is often not the right way to think about it, because particularly in the startup, every failure is a potential learning experience. And as long as you are putting the right bounds and the right supports on what you're doing and planning for the potential to fail so that you have routes to to correct and the support of investors and and your team to be able to rebound from from those, uh, those issues, failure in in many ways, those learning experiences are what actually lead to ultimate
1: success. That was so awesome. Thanks, uh, Benjamin, for sharing so openly. I, I think you shared some some really incredible advice there. So I want to uh, go to our last section, which is not our typical hospital rounds. So these are business rounds, and I'm going to ask you a mix of you know personal questions and some things regarding healthcare trends. What is the best advice you've ever been given?
0: Best advice. My parents became kind of professional self-help junkies uh, a few years ago when they were in a
1: position to be
0: giving uh, advice to other dentists and other dental practices uh, in their area. They would always repeat, "Opportunity is everywhere," which can sound like an incredible corny kind of <laughs> kind of kind of quote, but at the same time, if you view the world with that lens. You're constantly recognizing that there are doors to be opened if you're willing to kind of go beyond yourself and to explore and to to risk that it's not the right door to go through, uh, but at the same time to open it and take a look. And, And to me, that quote, opportunities everywhere, doesn't necessarily mean that every door has a shining light through it. But at the same time, it is kind of a signal that you need to be um, open to actually viewing all the things around you as potential opportunities to
1: explore. It's really awesome. And, you know, I think we're, we're only limited, you know, as far as opportunity is, it, it's, it comes down to creativity. There's, there's so many exciting ways to, to really make an impact. And, and you know, there, there are tons of opportunities to get involved. One of the things that I, I think is always fascinating is a lot of successful physician you know, innovators and entrepreneurs like yourself have this daily success habit or something that they do every day that might attribute to some of their success. Do you have a daily success habit that you think makes an impact? I I, I wish I was that disciplined, but I think you know maybe the what I would list
0: there is simply forcing myself as often as possible to take time out to just breathe and be uh, which often for me these days means removing myself from work and spending time with my kids without distraction and so i i think for me it's kind of forcefully separating myself both physically from from the email and the iphone and but also mentally putting things aside because um, i often find when i come back the answers to some thorny kind of thing or some frustration I was having with a particular organization has dissipated.
1: That's great. It's uh it is important to take some personal time and, and spend time with those that are important to you. So that's really wonderful. Last thing and and I know you're you might be even an expert in this area. Could you share with us some some healthcare trends, maybe touching on I, I know you do a lot of work in kind of the value based space. Could you share with us what, what you think are some exciting opportunities and, and things that Fellow physician entrepreneurs should be following.
0: Sure, what I'm seeing these days is certainly the underlying secular trend of all of healthcare and, in particular, large health systems moving towards value-based healthcare and accountable care. You know, continues on, and it's been a relatively steady pace. But some of the more recent announcements, like CMS announcing the uh, Care Coordination Fee for Medicare. Uh, as well as the, the targets around value-based purchasing, companies like United putting out you know, bogeys for 2017, 2018, where they'd like to be in terms of uh, value-based payments, feels like we're, we're perhaps entering that, that transition point of, towards exponential growth there. So I think that that's one thing that feeling is a, a fundamental turning point. Conversations that startups or healthcare innovators, particularly on the care delivery side, are having are fundamentally different now than they were even just three, four, five years ago. And the conversations with investors are pretty different. Whereas before healthcare services and health informatics were seen as too much investment, too difficult a sales cycle. Now feels like there's a lot more uh, momentum uh, behind it. And there's active looking by investors for the opportunities within value-based healthcare. So I think that's one one big trend I'm seeing. I think the the, the other is, um, and I was just at hand a few weeks ago here in Chicago. There's been for the past three four years, every single vendor coming out with their population health dashboard, right, and their qual before that their quality dashboards, um, which were essentially always just kind of retooled. Here's a view of the common set of metrics, you know, either using claims and/or clinical data. What I saw this year was a number of organizations that are finally doing two things. One is taking that perspective of those dashboards and bringing them to the point of care. So uh, not just viewing the, the output as uh, for executives and population health managers kind of removed from where care actually happens, but actually bringing them into primary care, bringing them in to the, the, the point of care, but also uh, starting to really embed workflow so that the it's not just about presenting data and then somehow expecting that at the point of care uh, magic is going to happen that people are going to figure out how to how to use it, um, but actually provide workflow solutions that help uh, teams to coordinate and help teams to be able to act on the data that's that's presented. So I think those those two things for me are really starting to enter a transition point, and I'm pretty excited to see over the next year or two how those things come together lead to true transformation in primary care and uh, care delivery.
1: As you mentioned, I mean, healthcare is at a really exciting time, and, and I think it is a tipping point in the value-based uh, world and, and, and really excited. So Dr. Benjamin Burke, thank you so much for joining us on The Modern MD. It was an honor and privilege to have you on the show. You're a true visionary and innovator and uh, excited to see, uh, you know, how you make an impact in our world.
0: Greg, thank you so much for having a fun discussion. and I'm looking forward to uh, hearing all these fantastic interviews that you've got coming up. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Modern MD. Head to themodernmd.com to get links and recaps of every show and so much more. Dose up and like The Modern MD Facebook page.